Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Digital Masters Podcast. Today we have on Todd Clouser from Refine Labs, and we're gonna be talking about content automation. What should you automate and what shouldn't you so that you stay engaged with your audience? We're gonna be talking about TikTok for B2B, and we're also gonna be talking about how to grow your YouTube channel in 2021. So let's get started. Todd, what is going on, man? Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Yeah, so we got connected on TikTok and then we got connected on LinkedIn and you work for Refine Labs. I know those guys quite well. And um, I mean, quite frankly, they've helped me a lot grow my business. Like I've just downloaded things that Chris said and just like just mindlessly executed it. Um, <laughs> um, but I know I know to start you were you're interested in, in talking a little bit about the the automation stuff that uh, you saw on on my side of TikTok. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little. Yeah. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about TikTok automation and, and like growing a YouTube channel. So let, let's start with the automation piece. Um, hit me up with, with some of the questions that you were thinking about. So one of the one of the early pieces of content that I that I saw from you on TikTok and then I saw again you go into a little more detail on how you do it is is how you automate your your content creation process because I think um, like ever since 2011 when I started creating content um, I've always been one that creates a long form piece of content chops it up for different channels uh, and distribute it everywhere. Um, but I'm also, I've also always been very manual in that process. Uh, and I, I've tried using some programs in the past. Uh, and at least for me, like what I've found is that uh, when I automated those processes, it made it very easy for me as the creator to kind of skip the next step, which is engaging on each of those individual platforms. So I'm right. really curious. Plus like your automation process is by far like way more advanced than anything <laughs> I've ever seen. So I would, I would love to hear one, how you do it. And then two, like how you, how you take that next step after the fact. Cause I know you're, you're engaging everywhere. Yeah. So, so I think that's a great point. I, I try to point this out to people as well. Is like, so when I'm trying to automate things, I'm only trying to automate like the rocks in my shoe. So the things that just that I hate in the process. So I'm never I don't automate like the, the publication of content like that's like, and it's, it's kind of interesting because people whenever they see one of those videos, they're always like, oh, what how do you actually post it to the platform? I say, no, I do that part manually. Um, where what I try to automate is all of the steps in between. So, so like when, when I, when I schedule somebody like you onto the podcast, throw you out a, a Calendly, and then that goes into my Airtable system and it just creates all the folders. It creates like the, this interview document that I have right here. So I've got an inter, a, a common document that I use for all my guests. It puts just pre-fills and all that information I asked for you. And then just starts linking all that stuff together. So when I go to, to edit the podcast, I just go into Airtable, everything's categorized. I can just click into a link. I can click into a folder. It's sending emails to video editors. It's really doing all that stuff. That's like not the value creation part. Um, so, I, so I, you know, I've watched a lot about like, uh, from Chris Walker, Gary Vee, all these people, it's the value creation is the piece that I try not to, to interrupt. 
So when I see a lot of those AI platforms that say they're going to cut up clips for you automatically and all that kind of stuff, that's never where I'm going. Um, and so like when I go to create clips, when I use um, software like Descript, all those kind of things, I still look, it's like, where should I start this clip? Where should I end the clip? So anytime that there's value creation, I'm doing it. But anything else, I'm thinking, okay, how can I get this into a system that I can just automate? Because the other thing too is this, like, when I have this system, and I didn't plan this out after, the, or I didn't plan this out ahead of time, but every piece of content that I've ever created is, just, is, is categorized from the small clips, from the podcast to the live shows. And it's just like a huge database that I can just go back and pull from. So do you, do you do the editing process or is that something that you outsource and that automation process helps the editor on the other end kind of figure out what he or she is doing? Yeah, so what, so what I would do is like just pick the clip. So I would go into Descript if you've ever, if you, have you ever heard of Descript? I, I've, I've gone in there briefly, um, but I started long ago with uh, Adobe Premiere, so that's kind of what I defaulted back to. Yeah, so, so Descript, I, technically you could consider it a, a video editing platform, but I kind of, I kind of more consider it, um, for me it's just like you can load the video up in there and then it transcribes it so it makes it very easy for me to tag where the video, where the video clip should start and where it should end. And then I can pass that off to my video editor. Gotcha. So what's interesting about Descript is that, so if I take this podcast from Riverside and I pull all the pieces together, you know, cause it records everything separately. So he'll pull all those pieces together. He'll send me a low resolution version of it. I can load that into Descript. I can pick the clips and then he can literally just take the, uh, I don't know what, what Adobe calls it, but it's like an XML file that has the timestamps. And then he can overlay that on top of a, uh, um, the high res version and then can pull the clips and then do, you know, add the captions because he'll have the captions yep. from the script as well. Yep. So that's kind of how I, that's, the, yeah. So, um, so I, I don't do video editing, I guess, but I guess technically I am because the script, I guess really is a, an audio video platform, but the way I look at it is it's just a tool for me to go in and quickly be able to decipher what clips I want to pull. Gotcha. I love that. So you're, you're automating all the backend stuff that, that for most content creators is, is kind of the, the tedious part of the process that doesn't really add any value on the, on the front side to the people viewing it. Um, but you're still, you're still posting manually. You're still engaging with people. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, it's just like I, the way I really look at it is like content creation is hard. Like we all know that. Um, and so the easier I can make the process on me and everyone else, just the more likely we are to do it, the more likely we, we will to do more. Um, but I think what you're, you're saying there, there is a huge worry about that. Like you don't, you don't want to like remove yourself from, the, uh, the content, you know, the value creation part of it. Yeah, sure. And I mean, that, that even goes into, into like the YouTube stuff that I used to create, not from an automation standpoint, but from like an engagement standpoint. So it was, it was always me and one or more subject matter experts. So like I was on the marketing side and then I utilized 
the, the welding or fabrication subject matter expert to be in front of the camera. Um, and then I would take all that content, chop it up, distribute it everywhere. Um, and to some extent, I would, well, to a large extent, like I would get in there and, and engage with people because after a while of doing that, like you, you learn the, the industry. Um, but still, like people want to hear from the person they're watching. They don't want to hear from the right. person behind the camera. So like that was always a big thing. Like, you know, you guys aren't just doing your thing and then move on to the next video. Like I want you on the channel engaging with people. Um, so for sure, because yeah, people build those relationships, right? That's part of the content creation process is, is building relationships with these people. Um, and when they feel like they they really know you and you respond to them and you engage with them, you know, that's where you start building that community and you get people coming back and referring you and that's when your content really starts to go. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting too because the um, the automation stuff and when I create that that type of content, the people that usually reach out to me, it's like they're not they tend not to be my ideal customers. Because yeah. Because they, they, a lot of the time they, they say they want automation and I'm like, well, what, what kind of what content are you creating? And they haven't even started creating content yet. Um, and it's it's it, it, it has kind of been interesting to kind of see that um, it's like they 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 just want to automate things. It's like the, the engineering part of people's brains. Um, but then I'm just like, hey, you know, it's like you, you have to engage with your. it's like still building community. You have to be out there doing those kind of things. Um, so it has kind of been interesting to see that that kind of content attracts the people that I'm that that wouldn't really benefit from my overall service. Well, I think I think they probably had the same perspective, you know, just seeing a piece of content or two where like you talk about the automation, they probably had, you know, my same gut instinct which was like, yes, you can you can see in what you're doing that you're automating all that tedious stuff on the back end. But I think yeah. when people think about especially like video and absolutely social media automation, they don't think about all the tedious stuff. They just think about the final product. So they want to know like, okay, this, this guy literally like filmed something on his phone and then he, he put it somewhere out on the web and it just appeared in 50 different spots. Like that's not <laughs> how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's like, uh, but but it is I mean it is powerful though because it it does make it it does make it possible or it makes it a lot more possible for us to do those kind of things because like like I want to talk to you about YouTube but like I've gotten the biggest growth from my YouTube channel it's, I mean it's totally small right now but from the YouTube sh or from the TikToks and transferring those as shorts so um, you know in the last couple months I've gained like a hundred subscribers and it's I know it's all from the shorts and that's really possible from the automation I mean it's not possible for me. I mean we, we could have done that. But it just makes it so much easier for us because uh, I just record the TikTok, drop it into Google Drive, pulls it into the system, and then just it actually just uploads it to to YouTube, and then we just have to do the final pieces to it. And I'm not even optimizing that stuff as much as I could. I want to do it more, but I think that's pretty cool. And then we push it over to Pinterest, uh, you know, and you see a bunch of engagement over there with those idea pins. And it's just really interesting how you can, and, and the automation just makes it possible because it would just, I would be doing too many little things to even just, I would just get bogged down. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think anybody who manages more than one one channel can absolutely um, relate to that. Yeah, and and I do, you know, and I there's probably a certain channels where I do not, I don't give quite as much attention as I should, like uh, on Instagram, for instance. I'm still pushing stuff out there, but it has been interesting. Like the. I'm still able to, you know, I have the notifications coming in, so I'm still able to get over there and, and engage with people when they do. But those TikToks are getting thousands of views across multiple places, which I think is just pretty cool. I think, I think, and I, I, I think we'll probably get into this topic, uh, and I'd, I'd love to hear your take on it. But like, so the the big thing that that I'm seeing right now that recently, since I've been putting out more. TikTok content is people, especially on LinkedIn, the, the, the narrative 99% of the time is like, this is a waste of time. Yes. I see that you can get a lot of views, but those views are, you know, junk views and they're not going to, they're not going to move any dial. And I know that you especially have been able to turn a lot of that TikTok audience into revenue. So I would love yeah. just to, uh, this is going to be an awesome sound clip of like why B2B people, companies, whatever should be on TikTok now rather than a year from now when they realize they made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've generated quite a bit of uh, revenue off of TikTok, but the one that like blew my mind the most was uh, when a $5 billion uh, energy company uh, saw one of my TikToks and, you know, it's a, it's an, you know, it's an entrepreneurial type person who, who found it. And he's just like that. I want to do that. And he just reached out to me, um, scheduled the call, pretty much cut all the red tape that it would take to work with a company like that. Cause I even told him, I was like, I was like, I'm not going to survive your procurement process. Like my, my service isn't, <laughs> my service isn't set up to go through all of that. Like I want to like get on a call with you and basically close the deal. Like that's what I, that's how I'd like to, to do things. And most of my clients do work that way. And yeah, he just, we just worked it out and um, hired me. And so now I'm just on a retainer with those guys and I'm helping them think through strategy. And then we're going to just kind of see how things go from there. And, and he, like, what's interesting about that relationship is like, they don't even know exactly what they want either. Like, I mean, they, they do, but in a sense, they're just like, let's just kind of figure this out. Like, we, we just want to start working with you, see how you can help us think this stuff through. And uh, so I think that was one of the, the coolest, just, um, re, re, just like proof, I guess, that, that that can happen. And then I've had all sorts of other clients that I've gotten as well, which are my more typical type of client, which is like consultants and, and uh, coaches and thought leaders and, and that kind of thing. But you know, the, the main thing that I, I realized was I was just like a year ago, right? I was just, I was just flipping through TikTok here and there. And then I was just like, well, if I'm doing it, somebody else is doing it. And if there's no reason why my content like, there's no reason why I couldn't just put it. It's, I'm not going to dance, although I do a couple dances here and there. Uh, <laughs> I was like, but if there's no reason why it couldn't just be my piece of content that pops up. And then, and then the other light bulb that went on my head was just like, well, everybody that got onto LinkedIn way before me, like, they took advantage of that. And like, 
you know, you see like Chris Walker, it's like he got on there early enough to like really, you know, take advantage of it. Um, and so I was just like, man, that's, I want to do that. I want to be one of the early birds to something finally. And, um, and then not only that, but there's the whole, like, it really ups your game in terms of content creation. So you get really, you get a lot more creative about how you do things. You have to deliver the value really fast. Um, although some people figure out ways of not doing that. I think, you know, every personality has their place. But I think it, you do have to learn how to deliver the values fast. So you learn how to create content. And then uh, I think, you know, uh, Chris talks about this a lot too, is like, um, it takes a while to learn how to even create content. And so that's a skill in itself. And like TikTok, there's no better place right now to learn how to make content really fast. A hundred percent. And I, I think the point you made about you just flipping through, through TikTok before you even started creating is like the point that everybody misses, right? Like they think yeah. TikTok is, or honestly any channel like in its infancy, maybe excluding LinkedIn. But like you think about Facebook, you think about Instagram, you know, all these channels were at one point in the same spot that, that TikTok is now. I remember when I, yeah. when I first started at, at well.com and we first started creating YouTube content, you know, that was in the times of like insane Facebook organic reach. And like, same thing. I was, I was chopping stuff up and putting it on Facebook. And it's like, you don't know how many times, like I heard from different people that like, like, Oh yeah, this guy's just, you know, he's, he's on Facebook all day. Like, what does he really do? You know, it's like, yeah. You know, like welders aren't on Facebook. They're they're on job sites. It's like <laughs> just because someone's not like using the product to research like work things doesn't mean you still can't reach the demographic that you're trying to reach. Because yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think they're, that's that's where where leaders get hung up is like, you know, they they want they want instant gratification and they completely forget that like, you know, through organic content or even paid content, if you do it right, you know, it's a way to get in front of your, your potential buyers in a non hostile, non sales pitchy sort of way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always, I asked all my clients, I was like, so how much time do you spend on TikTok? And they're like, way too much. Anybody <laughs> who the has the app is like, yeah, I, yeah. The only problem with it is, you know, I turn it on like trying to, you know, figure I got something to do for five minutes and three hours later, I realize what time it is. Like, yeah, what, I mean, people are going, people are going there to entertain. So they're like, their brains are like accepting information. Yeah. hundred percent. I, 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 I tell this joke a lot, but I don't know anybody that tells me they're going to go home and watch LinkedIn, you know, like hundred you know? <laughs> percent. It's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, TikTok is it's just like all around. It's a I mean, even if things change and um, I'm sure they will, um, but it just seems like it, it seems like a no brainer to me. Um, but yeah. people do have you. you, you <clears throat> I think you do have to get out there and just kind of be yourself and, and go for it, which I think well, is and, the hardest. And that's the thing, too, that I think a lot of people get hung up on. Right. Especially in our space, like B2B, like very LinkedIn 
Earth-centric people, you know, they're thinking about this from a company perspective and they're trying to sell this to their company. Like, we need to create a, a company account on TikTok. Like, to those people, I would say, like, just skip that step completely. Go create your, your own content. You can, you can say the same messaging that, you know, that would, would come out of a company account if you were running that company's page. It's just you delivering the message, which on TikTok, you know, I'd argue that's better anyway. So, like, yeah. figure out how it works. Build an audience now because a year from now, and we already see it starting, right? Like, I started I my TikTok so, yeah. not too long ago, and I see people following me that follow me on LinkedIn. I see companies starting to do pages now. It's like, it's starting, and you know this this organic reach and it's even it's gone down since i started my my first tiktok account like a year and a half two years ago like it's gone down significantly since then so like we're not even at the at the you know the top of when it was but like that just shows you that you know you need to hop on now or you know once this train has left the station like you're going to be struggling to to hop a hop a ride you know yeah, my, my guess is that there will be more and more people coming on board. So like the audience, like there'll be more people. Um, so maybe that helps keep something level. But yeah, it's like you got to get on there and create a bunch of content as well. Like I've helped a couple of different people grow pretty fast. Like one of my one of my clients got up to like 80K in um, in, in uh, followers in a couple of months. Um, but they were also pretty niche and they were helping people with something that's, you know, you know, close to the heart. Um, so I think those kind of things help, but at the same time, everybody has that opportunity. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and, but you got to get out there and try a bunch of things. So the other thing is like, I, I know like specific videos like do well, like I just did one this, this week that I knew would, would do well. And and it is. So you kind of start to learn what videos kind of pop and which ones don't. I still make ones that don't because I just feel like they're important messages. Um, I, I do find at least f- for my content, the stuff that, that does better is the stuff that is, is pretty practical. Like you can really take it and use it. Some of the more general advice that like might explode on, on LinkedIn, uh, sometimes just doesn't, at least doesn't hit for me, um, on TikTok. I think the other thing too is, you know, and I think you're a really good example of this. And there's a couple other people that are really good examples of this that I think the common misconception with with companies or people first getting on TikTok or even before they get on TikTok is like in order to hit these these this massive organic growth, like you have to jump on a trend. Right. Mm, Which is which is 100 percent not the case at all. I mean, yeah, if you can relate a trend to B2B, great. But like you don't need to, that doesn't have to be your strategy. I mean, I, I run an account that it's at this point, it's probably about a month old and I had four videos up that were all in like the hundreds of views, nothing great. The fifth video I put up, it went for four and a half million views. I went from 20 followers to eight or 9,000 followers in the course of like three days. And then every single piece of content that I put out now. So like the same thing, I put out content on that channel every single day. 
every single one, minimum they're getting like 10 to 15K, but like two or three times a week, one goes off for like half or three quarters of a million views. Wow. And that is, that is awesome. there are zero trends on that channel. Not a single, not a single trend. With the exception yeah, of maybe putting like a, a catchy piece of audio behind it, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, if there's a trend and it just so happens that I feel like I could do something fun with it and I feel comfortable with it, I'll, I'll do it. Like I did one yesterday um, that I just thought, I thought was funny. I was just being goofy. Uh, but it's probably actually quite dangerous to do that because then people are following you for that. Like, yeah. You, and you don't really want them to follow you because of that. Like, like there's a lot of people on TikTok teaching you how to do TikTok and they're like, trend alert, like <laughs> go do this trend. And I'm like, I, I, it's just like, I think that's a dangerous game to play. Cause like you don't want people to follow you for, for trends. Like, right. I mean, you're not, that's, that's not something that's, I mean, I could be wrong, but like, that's not something to me that's easily monetized or, or helps your business in any way. Yeah. So. Well, cool. So on, on the subject of, on, of YouTube, um, this is something that I, I want to grow my YouTube channel. Um, I really haven't just had the time to devote to it, but like, like you, you've built a successful one. You did that in 2011, uh, or I think that's what you said. Um, yeah. So it started, started in 2011. Uh, I ran the channel up until, um, December of, of 2020. Nice. So, so how, how are you thinking about building a YouTube channel today, like in 2021, almost 2022? Um, it, it really depends on what your, what your content strategy looks like, right? So like the way I look at it, um, there's, there's two, two categories you can be in. Um, one of those categories is you are creating youtube specific content like that is the piece of content that you're creating as your your you know foundation for everything else that you cut up and build um which obviously makes it a whole lot easier um because you know exactly like you're shooting this for for youtube um the other thing like like what we're doing now uh with what i'm doing at refine labs is you have something like a podcast that is your, your foundational piece of content. Um, and YouTube is, is one of those mechanisms that you use to, to stack the growth, the, the growth on that content. Right. Um, so either way, I think the most important thing, uh, and I, I talk about this a lot, um, is you really have to, and I know Chris talks about this a lot too, is you really have to understand, who is watching your video, what, or this is any content really, but who's watching your video, why they're watching it, and then the, the, the secret is to get them to, to engage with you. So I talk about, like I talk about trolls a lot, and like how, how one of the things that, that we really use to our advantage is people that disliked our content. So I think it's, YouTube is, is, I mean, notorious for people dropping down into your comments and, and telling you what was wrong or why your content sucked or whatever. And yeah, th th yeah those are the most ones I get on, on uh, YouTube. Well, th 
honestly, like if that's what you get the most, like that is the best possible comment that you can get. And I'll tell you why. So there's a, there's a couple different scenarios, right? Um, when you get a non-believer or troll or whatever you want to call it. So one is like the, the constructive piece of feedback, right? So like if you put something out on YouTube on how to automate your content process and someone came down into your comment section and was like, I try this, this is, this is absolute bullshit, it doesn't work, like whatever. Okay, so most people's reaction to that is I'm going to go down to the comment section and tell them that they're a moron and <laughs> it absolutely does work, like I do this every day. Yeah. Which, I mean, I will admit, like, when I first started YouTube, like, th that is your gut reaction to just, like, defend your piece of content. Um, but at some point, uh, and we can, we can go into this story if you want, but, like, at, at one point, I realized, okay, instead of, like, fighting fire with fire with this guy let me go down into the, into the comments and see what his thoughts are. Like why, where in the process did, did this not work for him? Like in the, in the content creation case. And, and basically you've got a couple options. The best option is find out the guy's information and like have a behind the scenes talk. And if you can logistically manage it, like, create a piece of content with this person. So like in, in this example, like, Hey, I'm, I'm here with, you know, Joe Schmo. He tried to use my automation process. It completely failed for him. So I've got him on the, on the channel today. And like, we're going to go through this. We're going to work on his, on his, you know, automation process and we're going to get it working for him. And then, I mean, that's best case scenario, right? Because at that point you, you already know it's going to work because you do it all the time. And you turn this guy that, that is a, you know, complete naysayer or non-believer in what you do and you completely flip the script. So one, you put them in a piece of content. So like, I don't care who it is. They're going to love you forever. Like if you showcase them, <laughs> right. Especially if they're, if, especially if they're, if they're talking negatively about you and then you, you come over and like you put them in the spotlight, like they're going to love you forever for that. Um, and what I've found happens when you do that is instead of this person just like leaving and, and, you know, I, I leave a bad comment. I never come watch your, your content again. That person will come and they will literally, they'll watch all your content and then they will go down into the comments and they will be like the biggest evangelist you ever had in your comment section. So like, they're going to go down there and they're going to be, they're going to be the exact opposite as, as before. They're just going to be singing your praises. There's going to be other people leaving comments. They're going to, if it's a negative comment, they're going to tell the person why they're wrong. Like they almost become like the bouncer of your channel. Right? So that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is, um, they, they don't really, you, you reach out to them, either they don't respond or they, you know, get snarky and they, they don't want to, to work with you. Um, and they just, they just go away. Right. So like my biggest thing is I would much rather have a troll that shows up every single week and tells me I'm an idiot 
than a troll that shows up once and then like I don't like this channel I'm I'm leaving and never coming back yeah because because one when they leave and they never come back you lost you lost that that view that watch time you know whatever your your vanity metrics um but when they come back and they tell you you're an asshole every single week what happens is and some people get a little upset when i tell them like this is this is what i used to do because they think it's it's wrong or whatever but you know, I, I don't feel bad about it because I always try to work with the person first. But like if they if they continue to to just like troll everything, it's not constructive. It's just like you're an idiot type of type of comments. Then what I generally would do is instead of deleting the comment or banning the person or whatever, disliking it so it goes to the bottom, I would pin it to the top. Wouldn't engage with it, wouldn't comment on it, but I would pin it to the top. So what happens is, like, when you have the the other guy that, that trolled before, but you turned him and, and now he's coming back, he's patrolling that comment section, right? So, like, your, your diehard followers, the first thing they do is they drop down into the comments. Mm. And they, they will... They will go back and forth in your comment section for for you i i've had threads of people like battling it out between them that are 150 comments long That's and like crazy. what what better for <laughs> your channel is to have all this engagement in your in your comment section and it, yeah. it's not just for like the vanity metric of number of comments but like think about it youtube cares about watch time right if if I show up on, on your video and I drop down into the comments, because I believe, think about it. Like people, people will go into the comments before the video's even over. Like they just go down there. Right. If I'm going back and forth with a person, I don't care about what's on the screen. Like it's just, right. it's just playing and playing and playing. And YouTube cares yep. about click-through rate and they care about watch time. And then after that, they care about session time. So if I can get them to the next video, if they're, if they're commenting for that entire video, they, in YouTube's eyes, they watch the whole video and it's going to get suggested more and someone else is going to see it. And that's going to let somebody else who actually can use that piece of content to see it because YouTube's suggesting it now outside of my, of my, you know, normal subscribers or people that it wouldn't normally show the content to. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and the same thing happens on TikTok too, because like you drop into the comments, the video is just sitting there scrolling or like looping in the back. Hundred percent. And and to to your point, like going back to like our original automation question about engaging with people, I think this is like it highlights that, right? Because like look at like the minutia you're talking about in terms of how to grow some of these things. Is like like how do you handle trolls? Like pinning specific content to the or comments to the top. Um, it really gets into the weeds to make some of this stuff. Uh, take off and I think honestly like what when it comes to when it comes and this is this is not just for trolls but this is really with anybody who's engaging with your content people always do it in the beginning they start out like I'm going to comment on every single respond to every single comment and like all that kind of stuff but what they don't do 
is like, okay, that's cool. Like if I go on a channel that I really like and the, the creator comments back, like, yeah, that's cool. But that's not going to make me come back every single week. What, what people need to do, and this goes to learning about your customer or your viewer, if you're a YouTube creator and that's like your thing, your customer is your audience. So right. what, what people don't do, and I attribute this to a lot of our success to this, is we would go down into the comments and then literally create like a, like a, a spreadsheet or a, we did it on a whiteboard, but like a, a list of, of content videos that we we're going to create in direct response to people's questions, comments, whatever. And, and that, I don't think that's uncommon, but what is uncommon is the creator never gives that person credit for it when they create that video. Oh, I see. So like if, if I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a good example, but like, let's say I'm going to use, I'm going to use welding just because this is like where our channel was. But like, let's say, um, we're welding on a piece of aluminum and someone says, you know, that weld looks great, but I'd love to, to see like a, a piece of content before that, how you set up your machine to get those results. Like, okay, let, let's do that. And, you know, a week or two from now, whenever we have the, the capacity to do that video, you know, Joe Schmo, you know, commented back in this video, we'll take a little screenshot of his actual comment, post it up there. You know, so we're, this one's in direct response to, to Joe's question. And here's how you do it. Joe, drop down in the comments below. Hope if this, if there's something we left out that you still need, let us know. We'll create something else to, to answer that question. And like engaging in your actual content and not just in your comments is how you take somebody who is interested in your topic and they see your videos every now and then to someone who's like, I'm going to go back and, and watch this every single time. And whether it's on the piece of content that they created or not, I'm coming to ask my questions. I mean, that's what, that's what people do with, with demand gen live every single week. Like we have an agenda. We have topics that we're going to talk about on demand gen live, but I would, I would say 80% or more of those live events are dedicated to people asking their question. And nine times out of 10, it's not, it's not directly related to what the, what the, the agenda item was. They come there because they know Chris will answer their question. Not right, because, right. I mean, sometimes it's obviously it's, we've got like a core group that will show up every week. You've got people that see the agenda items like in an email and they're like, I'm interested in that. But, you know, a lot of these people, because we've built out that, that, that following, they know if they, if they run into a question that they don't know the answer to, like in their everyday job, they can write it down and Tuesday night at 730, they can come to Demand Gen Live and they can ask like Chris Walker, who is like, like where, where, where can you get that type of advice for free? You can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. He's always had a, re a really, um, just a cool way of going about things, especially like the way he just like jumps on any podcast that, that people reach out to him. Yeah. 100%. Whereas like some people that are much, 
not, not you know, people that are much smaller than him. Like they, they're like super picky and he's just like out there doing stuff. So, yeah. so I, I, this is like one of, I think this is one of my weaknesses actually is like, I kind of obsess about process as you can see in my automation stuff. But like, how do you, how do you keep these like insights that you have top of mind and like make space for them? So like, I, go ahead. we, what we did is we had a, we had like a 30 day running content calendar, right? And, and like we had sponsors and stuff. So like we, sometimes it was, it was sponsored content that like we had to do about 90% of the time. It was just like having to work their equipment into our, the, the, the content that we were already going to create. So like we would have 30 days of, of content that like we plan out. Right. But it would generally take us six months to get through that 30 days because every single time a person had, every single time a person commented that it was a, a question or something that we had the capability to respond to, it went ahead of everything else that we already planned. Interesting. And like the planned stuff, like it just got, you, you push it out and push it out and push it out. Yeah, that's something that I could be better about. Because I will say those automation videos, like people just want more of that. They want more and more and more. But, the, yeah. but it will help me out this. Like, but at the same time, like um, that, it's kind of interesting though, because like that isn't the um, the the the, pe the people that end up buying my services. Uh, I don't end up doing much of that with them. Um, in fact, when they ask me to do automation, I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. You don't. We got to get your podcast life. We got to do this first. We got to do that first. Um, so I, I guess I, I, I guess I, I get I stumble there a little bit. I'm like, what should I should I do more automation stuff? Should I answer all those questions, even though that's not necessarily, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it honestly, like it, it's going to vary for every, every use case. I would say like that is the, that is the strategy to, to create that like core group of people that will just like sing your praises not necessarily the same people that are going to buy your product, but like, right. I'll, I'll go back to the refined labs, Chris Walker example, the people that show up to demand gen live every week and that are answering all these really good questions that we can use to, to put out on LinkedIn and YouTube and TikTok and all these other places. Like those people are likely never going to become a, a customer. Sure. We're just, we're doing the same thing that, that you just brought up. Like we're, we're responding to them and, and they literally, they sing our praises to everybody. And those are the people that recommend us to somebody else who may be, uh, you know, in our ICP or become a customer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I need to, sometimes I have a hard time slowing down and just being thoughtful about some of that stuff. I think that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they, the, the hot topic has always been like, you know, uh, subscribers or views or likes or, you know, these are all vanity metrics, right? To me, those are only vanity metrics if you're not doing a well enough job to evangelize those people because like, I'm sorry, but like eyeballs on my content is not a vanity metric. If I'm providing really good 
valuable advice to that person, they're going to go share it with somebody else like who maybe like that's my target customer. Right, so like right. how can you how can you call views or or any even likes like similar similar concept, right? Like if I if I have 10,000 views and you know 8,000 people like it, like that tells me something. I'm doing something right there. And like yes, I can't map that straight to like a a dollar amount, but like, it's not vanity. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, cool, man. This has been insightful for me too. Like I, like, uh, we should do this again. Um, appreciate you being on and, uh, I look forward to seeing you on TikTok, LinkedIn and, uh, and interacting some more, man. This has been great. Heck yeah, man. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. We gotta, we gotta figure out how to do a TikTok collaboration. Yeah, for sure. There's like, not a lot. There's not a lot of collabs in the B two B space yet, so we got to do it. No, I, I mean, I would I, like. I've always, I've, I've always been trying to interact as much as with uh, Refine Labs as possible. Um, you guys just have your own track, so I have to like, <laughs> I have to figure out how to weasel my way in there. But yeah, I mean, I would love to interact with you guys and do something cool. I was just about to um, stitch one of Chris's videos. Uh, but I, I so that's, and I know we're, I know we're like nearing the end here, but like. That's the other thing too, like, like when I say collaboration and I've, since I've been posting TikToks on LinkedIn and people are like, like, you know what, screw it. Like I'm going to download it. Like my go-to response is like, like message me when you do and let's collaborate on something. Like, let me help you get started. And like nine times out of 10, it's like, it's like, well, cool, man, I'll create something and stitch me. It's like, that's kind of a collaboration in the sense that like we're both on the same piece of content, but like a collaboration to me is like we are working together to create one piece of content that either you or me or whoever can post because in that sense, there's that, I think, I think it was a Peter, I don't know if, if you know who Peter McKinnon is. He's a, he's a YouTube filmmaker, but like he, he says like your greatest asset as a creator and especially a film creator is to always keep the audience like guessing what's going to happen next. So like if you show up on my my TikTok, you know, that's I don't know if shocking's the right word, but it's definitely like it it's not something you see every day. So like it yeah. it gets people to like see like mm, wonder what's going to happen next, you know? So let's do it, man. I'll where do you live, by the way? I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, well, let's do it. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll hit you up and we'll figure something out. Yeah, 100%. All right, Todd, man. So nice to talk with you finally. And uh, it's been awesome, man. I'm, I'm really enjoying your content. And I'm looking forward to figuring more out. Cool, man. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. All right. See, yeah, see ya, dude.